the Alaska loophole? Well, the Alaska loophole, uh, maybe we should back up a, a little bit. What is Alaska? What? Well, I don't know. What is Alaska? <laughs> okay, a little bit further? A little bit further. Um, so what's, what's going on right now because of COVID? Uh, as with most of the rest of the world, travel around the world, not really happening. Not so much. Not really a thing. No. So into, in Canada, any travel into Canada, obviously, if you're not a citizen, for what they call non-essential or discretionary purposes uh, is, is not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. No, it is no bueno at the moment, uh, which means no vacationing, no coming in to come and tour the Rockies, go to Banff, Jasper, if you're not in Canada or if you're not dealing with something essential in those places. And sightseeing in the Rockies is unfortunately not categorized as essential. Sorry, everyone. Oh, but only if you're not Canadian. If you're already in Canada, no problem. Well, yeah, maybe be responsible, but no problem. No legal problem. No, no le well, still not. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no legal problem. Anyway, anyway, what we're getting at right now is that the rules about non-discretionary travel into Canada are not absolute. There is a way that the Canadian government has said that you are allowed to come in from the States into Canada across the border. And that is if you're heading to Alaska for a non-discretionary purpose. That is to say, you are going there for some real important reason that is not just to go see some friends in Anchorage. That's not good enough. That's right. So if you're, so yeah, if you're entering um, Canada via the United States and you pull up to the border and your border guard asks you, why are you coming here? And you say, hey, I'm going on vacation to Alaska. They will say that no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you, sir, you, sir, are actually staying right here. Yeah. I mean, you, you could still fly, I guess, if you, if you really want to go to Alaska. If you are an American and in America, you can fly to and from Alaska. You can go on an ill-advised cruise if you so choose. As long as you don't stop in Canada. Um, but this eponymous Alaska loophole is a way around that. It's a way that Americans are able to uh, buy car, buy land, come up through and take the shortest route to Alaska. Yes, but only for only essential for. and discretionary. Non-discretionary. Non non-discretionary. Non oh, basically, you can't do it unless you really need to. And that's exactly it. That's what it is. So we were thinking about that, and we were wanting to look into um, why exactly does that exist? I mean, obviously, there's different ways for Americans to get to Alaska if they have to. But why does Canada do this for the States? Yeah. And? and so we we initially thought when we were before we dove into the research, we thought that, well, maybe it's because there's some weird thing in NAFTA or whatever the new treaty is. We were we were weighing the options. We really wanted to know, though, because it's been all over the news that there have been people coming in and abusing this um, this this what could be a courtesy. What kind of obligations does Canada have or are there any? to allow people to travel across uh, land in order to get to the Attache state of Alaska. And the short answer is there's no obligation. Well, the short answer, this is going to be a very short episode. The, the short <laughs> answer is, Simon is right, there is no treaty obligation that makes Canada bound to allow these people from the United States to travel up uh, through BC or wherever the shortest route is in order to get to Alaska. There's no obligation. And, then, and that's essentially that's it. it. End of the episode. No, 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 no. But it's it's more it's more interesting than that. And obviously, on a political level, it, there's a certain amount of of courtesy that you want to extend to your neighboring states, so long as they're not abusing that. But they are abusing it. Are they? They are. 
Um, so there, there's been a few cases of a number of Americans who have used this Alaska loophole to enter Canada on the guise of, well, we're just we're just going to Alaska or to Washington, the long or whatever, way around. the long way around, and they'll, they'll and yeah, and they get caught basically, for lack of a better word, in Banff or Jasper or somewhere in the Rockies, somewhere nice, probably not Saskatchewan, but not Kamloops, mm, probably not. I'm sure there are some Americans taking in the beautiful hoodoos in Kamloops. You just haven't been caught yet. Consider yourself lucky. But the ones in Jasper and Banff are the ones that we are concerned about right now. What happened is there was, there's, there's been a number. Like, so a recent one and, and probably the most, I guess you could say notable one. The egregious example. The egregious example is there was a guy who was in Canada on the guise of going to or from Alaska. I don't know exactly which way he was going. He's from Kentucky. His name was John Pennington from Walton, Kentucky. Do you think that's where Walmart's from? I know for a fact it's not. From Kentucky? From Walton, Kentucky? From Walton. It's from Walton. I think Arkansas actually is where Walmart's from. It's It started. In, anyway, this man, this man from anyways, Walton, Kentucky. He was arrested in June for violating the Canadian Quarantine Act uh, twice. He did, Well, he wasn't arrested twice, but he violated the act twice. Yeah, and um, they had to do something the second time because honestly, at that point. They did. So what they found is is the first time. He was fined twelve hundred dollars. That's or twelve hundred Canadian pesos uh, on the twenty fifth of June in Banff because one of the employees at the hotel that he was staying at suspected that he was not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So the RCMP showed up and they found that he was in fact breaching the quarantine act. So they find him and send him on his way. He said, you know, don't do it again. And by send him on his way, you mean it was a bit of a catch and release. You're back here in Banff. Don't let us catch you outside of your hotel room again. Yeah. You're supposed to be quarantined. The, the let him on his way was, okay, go back to your hotel room and don't leave. Yeah. Do not let us catch you out here again. But. He left. Would you look at that? He left. And he was caught a second and time. And he was caught a second time. And again, the RCMP came and they found that he had, of course, entered Canada from, oh, from Alaska, it says here. So he was coming from Alaska, presumably going to Washington or whatever the states are i don't know actually what states border canada i know washington we will cut this out he was coming Washington's from alaska going down somewhere to, going to down the rest of the states. essentially essentially anyway he was coming from alaska and like we said the rules say that you do need to be taking the most direct or a direct route down back to the states and no one in any right state of mind would think that going and spending time at a hotel in the Rockies is the most direct way down from Alaska to the States. So after being caught for the second time, Simon, tell the viewers exactly how much this man was fined. Uh, well, he was fined, it says here, a fine of up to 750,000 Canadian pesos. So you keep for, saying that. I don't know if that's accurate. For, well, th that's what the fine is. It is up to a maximum of 750 grand. That is an or, incredible and, amount of money. And up to six months in prison. Do you think that he's actually going to be seeing any of that time or fine? I don't think so. I think what will happen is he... So he was let on a promise to appear in court in November. So if he left and just disappeared back to the States, I, I'm i not an expert by any means in immigration law and how all that works, but I would imagine that if he fails to appear in court in November, it's not going to be great for him. No, you're. I mean, you're absolutely right, but... 
it just goes to show how seriously the Canadian government is taking the implementation of the Quarantine Act. A fine of up to $750,000 and six months in jail is nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. I think I think what will probably happen in this case is, again, not an expert by any means, but if I had to speculate on maybe what he'll get is, I would imagine the judge will say, okay, we're not going to fine you seven hundred fifty grand because that would legitimately ruin anybody's life. So they'll probably knock the fine down to something in the tens of thousands of dollars. Um, or they might just not give him a fine and just stick him in jail for some time okay. and let him go. I have no idea what the judge would do. That's obviously up to the judge. It but. depends on whether or not they want to throw the book at him. I do think it's a it, it's commendable that they are making example of people who are so flagrantly flouting the rules. These people who come up and who don't quarantine properly or who don't take adequate measures to keep other people safe are endangering the public. Whether or not this individual actually had COVID-19, if the Canadian government allows people to disregard the rules entirely, they're opening the floodgates for a, a ton of transmission that wouldn't otherwise be possible. And all because of a courtesy that they're extending to these people coming in exactly. from Alaska or from Washington to make the crossing. Exactly. And also it is the, these people are like visiting Canada. You know, they're not by any means, do they have a right to be here or anything like that? It is exactly like you said, Jake, a courtesy that's extended to them to permit Americans to just to still be able to travel quote unquote in their country by taking the shortest route between Alaska and the rest of the mainland. Um, going back though to what we talked about, taking the most direct route from to or from Alaska, that wasn't always the case. No, that's true. That only came in part of the way through. Yeah, and so so what what happened is the government responded and said, okay, look, Canadians and people in Canada aren't thrilled about this so we, we need to do something so what they started doing is they started issuing these little hang tag things that you're supposed to hang from your mirror if you're transiting through canada to or from alaska which has on it your your required date of departure from canada right so you only have a certain amount of time to make it from point a in the states to point b in the states and if mm -hmm. you're caught in canada outside of the time that's on your little uh air freshener that you get to hang in your car <laughs> then you are in trouble yeah or, or also outside of the what the authorities would call the most direct route. So uh, also actually, and they're, they're not even permitted to be in national parks, which would count as Jasper and Banff. So which, if, if which, you're there, then that, yeah, that's Which bad. is good because there were, I was down um, on the coast doing work in the summer and there were getting complaints from people, uh, locals, that they were seeing quite a few American license plates coming up, mm -hmm. taking up spots at campgrounds or other recreational areas, national parks. And I mean, you know, people who are disrespecting, uh, you know, the Canadians who are, you know, as a courtesy, allowing them to come through. So I, I think that the measures, the new measures that are in place are for the best, even though they are definitely strict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if the government of Canada just I mean, they would definitely be within their rights to just prohibit anyone from coming into Canada. The. Americans, would they be thrilled about that? Probably not. But I think that even despite the government that's in power in, in the States right now, I think they still would probably respect Canada's autonomy and, and their choice to limit who comes and goes from the country. So this is a really interesting segue into another question that we had. So we talked about whether or not there was some kind of treaty 
binding and international law about Canada needing to allow passage to these places. And in terms of an actual treaty, not so much. But international law, uh, as you and I know, is a little bit more complicated than that, in that the body of international law is not just made up of treaties and contracts between states, but it's also made up of custom. I mean, customary international law is one of the foundational pillars of international law. And for those of you that might not know, uh, customary international law is often talked about in cases where there is the absence of a true ratified treaty. So what would, what would that mean? What would that look like then? So, so if, there's, if there's no treaty, what, what does custom mean? So custom essentially has two parts. Uh, in order to become actual binding law. It has the first part, which is state practice, and the second part, which is uh, the opinion that that practice is mandatory, is viewed as legally binding. It's called opinio juris, or opinio juris civ necessitatis, if you want to go for the full fancy Latin phrase. Jake, we don't want Latin. We don't want Latin. We'll just call it opinio juris. It's a soft J. Don't worry about it. Okay. But basically what that means when you're looking to try and find a custom to see if there's an obligation, you look and you say, okay, have the states been doing this thing? And in the case of Canada, arguably, yes. I mean, Canada has been open to the states. We have special agreements with them to allow citizens of the United States to travel into Canada with no visas for up to six months. Mm -hmm. And they could use that time to come up and travel across the landmass of British Columbia up to Alaska. So in a sense, yes, there's the practice of allowing Americans to travel to Alaska, although not with the specificity of this is a, an explicit right that you have. Right. So where it gets interesting is when you're talking about, well, okay, so we have the state practice aspect of it, but do we actually have this second part, this opinio juris? Does Canada do this because they have to, because they feel that they are compelled to by an obligation? And I think in our case, it's not really arguable that Canada has been allowing Americans access because they feel they've had to legally in the past. No, I don't think so. So basically what you're saying is that it, it wouldn't be like just because Canada's done it forever in the past doesn't necessarily mean that it's now a requirement or an obligation necessarily. Exactly, under customary international law. Although interestingly, there have been some cases in international law where passage over land is uh, a customary uh, obligation, a customary uh, international law right. And the case is named, of course, the right of passage over territory in the case of Portugal v. India, which, you know, very aptly named, right? So I'm assuming it was a dispute between Portugal and India. You're absolutely correct. Whoa. See, you know, say what you will about the International Court of Justice, they know how to name a case. Wow. How, how intuitive of them. I know, it's fantastic. Um, that case has got some distinguishable facts from the situation that we're in. Um, for example, basically the situation was in India, there was an enclave that belonged to Portugal. And India had a history of allowing uh, the Portuguese access across this Indian territory to get to the enclave, which was only accessible via traversing Indian, uh, India's land. Um, and then at some point, diplomatic relations soured between the two. Things started to go downhill, and India revoked Portugal's ability to cross. And Portugal went to the ICJ. The ICJ is the International Court of Justice, for those of you at home who are not familiar with international law shorthand. Or the law at all. Or the law at all. We're open to everyone. True. 
But basically, uh, they went to the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, and they said, look, we've been allowed passage by India. Uh, they, we have state practice showing that. And we're saying that there is this opinion yours that India was doing this because they felt they had an obligation to allow us to reach our enclave. And based on the facts of that case, the court agreed with them. And they said, no, look, even though there's no official treaty between these two parties, the state of Portugal and the state of India, we are going to say that there is an obligation on the part of India to allow Portugal to access this enclave. Is that the case here? Probably not. Probably not. Because <laughs> I think you said that there was a, it was a long-standing practice between Portugal and India that was 125 years old. So I, I don't... I don't think like, oh God, I hope COVID doesn't last 125 years. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> but there's not the same uh, factual matrix here that you had in that case. You know, there's different histories between the countries, different understandings that we just don't have here to give rise to this kind of obligation through custom, obligation through practice. Uh, but it is interesting and I doubt it would ever get to that point. But if the states ever really soured towards us, they might be able to make an argument that no, we have, uh, you know, a custom to be able to access it. I mean, at the same time, you've also got planes and boats. Whereas I was, this I was, was completely. <laughs> I was just going to say that you know, like if 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 things soured really badly between Canada and the states, it would be it would be pretty tough sell, I would imagine, to for America to be like, well, now we can no longer get to Alaska without driving through Canada. I, I think it's a pretty easy way around that. Is you, well, you take a boat or fly, or you could go through Russia, I guess, if you, you, really, if you really wanted to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Build a bridge. Build a very big bridge. There's some expensive options, but at the end of the day, it, this isn't really the situation we're looking at. I just thought it was a really interesting point to bring up that these kinds of... Things do happen. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they come up in situations that are not wholly unlike the one that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's pretty much all we've got so what is our final recommendation then if you want to go to alaska don't build a bridge or build don't <laughs> or build a bridge yeah all right well thanks everyone for listening this has been a fun conversation with me and simon and we're glad to be back at it